It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Friday morning to you. Hope it's off to a good start for you. Welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Thanks so much for joining us. I do appreciate that. Jeff Howe still out on work assignment for his uh, nine to five gig, if you will. The uh, Horns 24-7 meetings and responsibilities that he has that he's carrying out. Uh, he'll be back on Monday. Producer Cameron Parker is here. What is it Jeff calls you? Play-by-play prodigy? Is that what he says? Yeah. Something like, okay. That's his go-to. That's okay. Sorry. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. How you doing this morning? A lot better than Ty. That's for yeah, sure. Now what, was, what was the deal on that for folks who didn't know? I mean, he was out making merry, so to speak, last night, was it? <laughs> All I know is is that the couch pillows or cushions, excuse me, from the uh, lobby here at the Horn Studios aren't <laughs> in the couch, so I'm guessing he kind of bunked up somewhere around here. Actually, probably in the studio. I better look around and make sure there's nothing on the ground. But, yeah, I guess he had a, a fun night stay here at the Horn Studio, which I've done before. I was going to say, you've it's, done that, hadn't you? It's It's, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> but I did not wake up looking like that. So, Ty, Godspeed, brother. Take some, drink some Pedialyte. Yeah, that, I'm hearing that. I remember giving that to my kids when they were <laughs> little to avoid uh, dehydration. And uh, have you have you done that? Pedialyte? Um, usually, if it's going to be like Texas football, you know, if we're going to be out all day on on the you know in the field just cooking and stuff, maybe some Gatorade, yeah, Pedialyte, something like that. Okay, okay, yeah. But di- different use than what Ty will you be using it. It's all about the electrolytes, isn't it? Exactly. Making sure you recharge your uh, electrolytes. Uh, somebody just asked me uh, on the Specs text line, which is open at five one two three three seven three seven seven six five one two three three seven. Three seven seven six. When I said good morning, glad to be with you on this Friday morning. So I said, "Will you be back on Monday, Craig?" That's what we all want to know. Yeah. Well, you rolling out the snark this morning? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, and I understand kind of the, the the subtext of what you're talking about, and um, you know, the announcement that was made yesterday by the university. And I read the announcement right after it came out. Uh, about uh, the network uh, radio broadcast rights shifting um, from Austin Radio Network to, to iHeart uh, Austin. So, yes, I understand what your context is, but yes, I will be here on Monday. So, and uh, and I'll look forward to being here, and I'll look forward to uh, giving away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Uh, on Monday, but we'll do one today too. We'll give away. We've been giving them away all throughout the uh, month of July. Actually, we started in June before I even left town on vacation, and we'll continue to give away copies of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, the 2023 edition. Let me tell you what's coming up. Uh, you might have heard Aaron Hogan make reference to it right near the end of the program. Mac Brown will join us in, in a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk some football and talk some. Life journey things uh, uh, for him. We'll talk about uh, his ball club. We'll talk about uh, what uh, he is in the state of Texas for this weekend. He was asked to uh, address the Texas High School Coaches Association's annual coaching school. They asked him, reached out to him, and asked, uh, "Would you uh, would you consider coming down and speaking to our group?" 
and I'll let him tell you uh, pretty much the details on it. But he he said yes, he would be happy to do it, and then he also asked if I could if I was going to be there because I'm going to. Uh, uh, because Mac has known for years when I've uh, you know I moderate events for uh, the THSCA for their annual coaching school. I, I really love doing it. Those are great guys. And Joe Martin and Glenn West, uh, the executive director and the assistant executive. Glenn, by the way, one of the inductees into the Hall of Honor banquet on Saturday night, and um, that's going to be one of the one of the duties I perform as I uh, serve as the uh, master of ceremonies, the MC for the Hall of Honor banquet uh on saturday night when the convention officially opens uh they they open with uh, what they call uh their huddle up presentation and it will open this sunday where that's where they wanted mac to address it and uh then uh then uh he asked about my availability to maybe do a q a thing uh, in lieu of a, an actual, you know, standard speech type thing. So I, I'll let him e- explain it from his perspective. But but uh, they asked me if I would do that, and I was thrilled to say, yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we're going to have some fun on that. But we'll kind of give you a little bit of a, uh, of a preview of the types of things that we're going to talk about on Sunday. So we'll do that. And uh, then uh, – We'll uh, we'll also talk about some other issues in uh, college football and uh, get his thoughts on it because he's obviously one of the most learned minds in the game, one of the most well respected. He is a, he is a college football Hall of Famer uh, and of course a national championship winning coach, which he did here going on uh, eighteen years ago. Uh, this fall will be eighteen years since uh, the Longhorns national championship season. So uh, we'll. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Mac uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we'll have our Longhorn Notebook, uh, some good Longhorn baseball uh, notes to pass along just past the bottom of the hour. As I mentioned, we'll give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll do that. Uh, we'll have Inconceivable. We have a little bit different take on this deal. This is a Friday, and what does Friday normally normally mean Cam, when it comes to inconceivable. Well, usually, Craig, on Fridays, you know, I'm, I'm reaching down low for that low-hanging fruit. Yep. Uh, from um, the most flaccid of the 48 contiguous states in the United States, uh, Florida. However, it's been kind of quiet for the Florida man this week. Mm. But we've got a couple of other little items we'll get to that are related to it. I have one Florida story, Craig. Okay, we'll see. Then it's going to check the box. So we'll do that. So uh, anyway, so that's that's what the deal is with that. So anyway, we'll we'll have that coming up. Eleven o'clock hour. Gene Watson, uh, of course, assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals, will join us. Gene joins us every week or two or ten days, or as his schedule permits and his travel schedule allows as well. And uh, Gina will join us. We'll have a little preview of the second half of the Major League Baseball season. Uh, That's coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. We also have a Flex 30 update uh, in the 11 o'clock hour. And additionally, uh, uh, in addition to that, uh, we'll we'll have another uh, Longhorn Notebook coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. So we have all of those uh, kinds of things still still coming up. So... um, in fact, I'm going to jump to, to um, uh, Major League Baseball for a moment, Cam, and then we'll get back into football topics, and then, like I said, Mac Brown will be with us here in just a few minutes. Uh, you're, you're a big baseball follower. Um, what did you like most about the first half of the baseball season? Let's start with that. What did you like most about the first half of the uh, Major League Baseball season? Well, my Texas Rangers were actually contending. That's what I liked most about it. I actually, for the first time in since 2017, I was watching Rangers baseball until the month of July. That's what me and Chad Hastings have been biting over the last few months. Besides the Rangers, obviously it's going to be Shohei Otani's story, and Ellie De La Cruz has been mm-hmm. very fascinating, and I've been glued watching what the young rookie has been doing on the baseball diamond this season. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to visit with. Um, so we'll we'll uh, we'll talk to Gene about that and get and get his get his thoughts on it uh, as well. I, I you know there's been some surprises. I I, I would say um, as a fan of a team in the National League West, some folks might be surprised that here at the um, figurative, if not numerical, midway point mark of the season, uh, the the Dodgers who, who have been the annual favorite for several years find themselves in a flat-footed tie with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But those who were paying close attention to what the D-backs had going on are probably not really that surprised by it. Zach Gallen's been tremendous. Corbin Carroll has been a really nice surprise as a as a rookie. So for them to be the two teams to be tied. Uh, I think the Dodgers are whatever percentage points ahead. They have one fewer loss, uh, one fewer win, and one less, one fewer loss as well. But they're basically in a tie, in a virtual tie, and uh, that that's been one of the surprise. The other thing I remember, I asked Gene. Now this has been at least a month. I asked him, fact or fiction, the American League Central Division winner will have a sub five hundred record. And he said, I'm going to say fiction right now. He said, now, it may not be much above 500, but but I don't think it'll be a losing record. Well, here we are starting the uh, figurative second half of the Major League season. The Cleveland Guardians are in first place. And what is their record? 45 and 40, 45. <laughs> yeah, they're even 500. They're, they're, they're 500. And what, the Twins are 45 and 46? They're yeah, a half, half game, game back? back. Yeah. The Angels, who are seven games back from the Rangers, Craig, fourth yeah. place in the AL West, would only be a half a game back from the Guardians in the AL Central. Wow. And and what is it? Every team in the National League, in the American League East is above 500, I believe? Yeah. Red Sox worst team forty eight and forty three, which would be the best record in the AL Central. Yeah, it would be. They'd be in first place instead of you know chasing by two and a half games. Yeah, instead of chasing uh, the race. Who, by the way, had some faltering late in the first half yeah. of the season that allowed the red hot Atlanta Rangers. Braves to move past him for the best record overall in big league baseball. So we'll we'll talk about all those topics with with uh, with Gina. We'll we'll get to that. And yeah, there's a lot of college football to get to uh, a couple other uh, items here before we uh, visit with Mac Brown like I said our, our specs text line is open at 337-3776 uh, Longhorn Bears says he's looking forward to UT baseball 2024 absolutely and that'll kind of lead us also uh, into our um, Longhorn notebook when we get uh, to that past the bottom of the hour uh, with what they have what with Porter Brown's announcement yesterday that he's coming back also uh, we we already knew um, I guess a day before the Longhorn pitchers, Tanner Witt and LeBaron Johnson Jr. early yesterday saying they were coming back. So LBJ and Tanner both coming back. That's a big thing uh, for Texas uh, to, to have the young talent that they have and uh, other guys go uh, not only undrafted, but even some of the, the, the high school prospects, uh, you know, to see a Will Gasparino uh, available to, to, to come. You know, so there's, there's some really exciting developmental things on the horizon there for Texas. Uh, Phil, uh, who's asking, you are, oh, you are the letters, you are. <laughs> I thought it was, you are still the voice of the horns, correct? Last I checked. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing the games uh, this fall. And uh, and and then uh, to uh, other folks, I think Woodworker had it, and a couple other guys were asking, uh, wanting more uh, transparency uh, about what the future plan is for the radio station. Uh, I, I can tell you, uh, honestly, I don't know all of all of the t- details on all of that. And so we've been told that there will be some other announcements forthcoming on that. That is the truth <laughs> on that. But we'll keep everybody posted. I, I understand people are anxious to hear about that. All right. Um, appreciate that. We will always continue to uh, take your texts on the Specs text line. But we want to go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline. Uh, I, I know I feel like I'm, I'm uh, the throwback thing, but we are talking 
about uh, a man here who uh, established some unbelievable highs as the head football coach at the University of Texas. If you think about all the consecutive 10-win seasons and, of course, uh, the, the, the capper being the, the 2005 national championship season, but uh, he is a college football Hall of Famer. He not once but twice has turned around, and as a, state, a native of the state of North Carolina, I, I know how incredibly difficult this job uh, it would be in both occasions, turning around the North Carolina football program two times now. And uh, he joins us right now. Mac Brown joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. I really appreciate the time, Mac. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Craig. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was thinking about something this morning, and – and. Uh, and and uh, I guess we should let folks know a little bit about. I, I I talked about it just a little bit, but I know you've always been very very close to the Texas High School Coaches Association, uh, going all the way back when your your good friend Eddie Joseph was the executive director, and the late Eddie Walski and the late Eddie Joseph were uh, were big parts of that. And then going on the D W Rutledge with Joe Martin, his assistant. Now it's Joe and Glenn West, and you've known these guys. I mean, you 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 recruited some of Glenn West's best players when he was uh, when he was at Brenham. Uh, so you, you've had these relationships a long time with them, and I know uh, I, I'd heard they they went. They went calling for you. They wanted to have you uh, visit with them, and I wanted to give you a little bit of an opportunity, first of all, just to to talk about uh, this this Sunday and the and the panel, the uh, the Q and A that we're going to do, and the and the things about that that really relate to what you love and and seem to love most, and that's coaching and coaches and working around coaches. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that before we hit a couple other topics. Yeah, well, Craig, I grew up in a high school coaches family. My granddad and my dad were high school coaches and then principals and then superintendents. And uh, so my, my life was with high school football and, and it's a, it's absolutely a farm program. We wouldn't have college football if it wasn't for the great high school coaches that send us guys. And uh, the high school coaches in the state of Texas treated me so well. The guys that you just mentioned, uh, uh, some we've lost and missed so much, but others are dear friends to this day. Uh, Glenn West actually came to a game this year and um, uh, came, I think it was a Notre Dame game, and, and asked me to speak to the coaches. And, and uh, gosh, those coaches have been great to me for the 16, 21 years I was at Texas, 16 coaching. And, and, and then since we've been here, uh, they've come to visit and they, they – constantly call us about recruits and uh but but they were one of the main reasons we won the national championship we we were about 99 percent high school football players from the state of uh, state of texas and the ones that we didn't have from texas were legacies um so after the game i, I readily said that we are here because of the high school coaches in the state of texas and absolutely meant it and they've asked me to fly down on sunday to houston and and uh, you and I do a question and answer and then do a little bit of panel. And um, I, I absolutely cannot tell this group of people no. And, and I'm excited about seeing a lot of friends on Sunday, uh, including you, so we can catch up. Yeah, it, it, it'll be an awful lot of fun. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm looking forward uh, to what, what are the types of you, – you've visited with coaches many, many times over the years, high school coaches, college coaches, clinics, things like that. You've always been a real big football junkie about just immersing yourself in those kinds of things. What do you enjoy the most uh, about uh, the, the, the coaching – family and the and and the extended family of of coaching tree and all of that sort of stuff what what, what do you enjoy the most about that part of the game Craig most people that if you haven't coached it, it's it's like if I haven't been in the business of the people that are our boosters I don't know what they do I think I do and I have opinions but uh, coaches are a rare breed and coaches influence young people's lives and the older I get, uh, I, I have to realize I have to be really careful what I say to a young guy because he's going to listen and he's going to remember it. And guys come back that played for me 30 years ago and say, remember when you said this? And I might not even remember it, but he did. Or remember when you went to my dad's funeral and I remember when Coach Royal was struggling with dementia. Uh, I went to see him and, and he knew who I was. Um, and he, he had forgotten a lot of people, and it really bothered me. But one thing he never forgot 
is the name of a player that walked into him. And that really told me something about the influence that you have on the players, but also the the influence the players have on you and for the rest of your life. And Sally and I have a, a family of players for over 35 years, 35 years as a head coach. And, and now they're grown up and now we're coaching some of their sons and some of, some of the Texas players uh, brought their kids to camp uh, this year that some of our ex players. So I think, Craig, just the, the fact that we, we all appreciate and respect each other and what we do. When I was doing TV, uh, a lot of the media would ask me, why, why do you take up for coaches so much? And I said, I, I know how hard they work. I know that they're trying to get things done. doesn't mean they're going to do it right. All of us mess stuff up. We just do it in public. And, um, and I think that's the, the respect and appreciation and love that I have for coaches because the high school coaches don't even make that much money in a lot of cases. And they work so hard and, and their benefits are, are winning and championships and all those things. But the real benefit is the influence that you can have on somebody's life. And, and that's a real gift. Uh, there's always an image that is burned into my mind. I, that several, obviously, of our time together and when you were the coach of Texas, but but there's one that always uh, remains really indelibly etched in my mind, and it has to do with, with coaching school and that sort of thing. And one year, ironically, we're, we're, we'll be on Sunday in Houston. Coaching school was in Houston, and this was probably around 2004 or something like that. And uh, you, um, I, uh, you know, we'd, we'd had the, the panel discussion, the Division One coaches panel discussion, which I'll I'll do again on Sunday evening or something. And then I, I went to uh, to dinner with uh, with uh, some other media members, and then afterwards I had some work to do, some reports for the radio station, was doing all that kind of stuff. And I finally get done with that, and it's one thirty in the morning. And I thought I'm thirsty. I need a I need a bottle of water before I go to bed. So I go down to the lobby, and it's that old. Uh, Astrodome uh, Sheridan that, that we were all headquartered at back in the day. And I go down and I go in the little store to get a, a bottle of water and I start to go back up to an escalator or elevator and I see you standing in the lobby at one forty in the morning visiting with a coach. Now, the typical response might be fans would say, well, yeah, he's recruiting, he's working it. This was a coach and I knew who he was. He was a coach of a very small classification, like a 2A school, deep in the Rio Grande Valley. He was never going to have a player that you were going to recruit. It was it was never uh, about anything. But there you were listing what he said. And, I said, and it's one forty in the morning. And I thought, well, that's Mac in a nutshell. But, I mean, those types of moments, I know just getting an opportunity to visit, as you just said, with a young coach, I mean, those things still resonate with you, don't they? Well, they, they do, Craig, and, and we as college coaches ask the high school coaches to give us so much. Get the kid to come to visit. Try to talk to the kid about coming to your school. Um, we, we, what time are you practicing? We're going to see your, your practice. And, and I've always told our coaches, when we go to a coach's clinic, we go to a coach's convention, like coach's school is what we called it in Texas. They're going to have 12,000-plus coaches there this weekend. You need to win the you need to win the clinic. You'd be the first one there to help these coaches and give back to them, and you'd be the last one to leave because that's your payback. And we've always told them anything the NCAA will let us do for you as high school coaches, especially in our state, then we're going to do it, and, and we're going to do it better than anybody else. So I said, you better be there first, and you better be there last. So if, if uh, A&M was sitting in the lobby, we were going to make sure that we stayed longer than A&M. So that was, just, <laughs> that was part of the competition at coaches' school. Well, I also remember, too, when in doing the panel discussion, uh, you, you know, you were a participant, just like all the other Division One FBS coaches in the state of Texas. But you had every one of your staff members, your full-time coaches, your, your GAs, they were all there, and that was the first time I'd seen any other coach do that. Now, I think just about all of them do it now, but they were all there, and they were all in burnt orange coaching polos, and they were all front and center and taking notes and playing and, and all that. So so clearly you wanted them visible and present for the other high school coaches as well as just listening to what was going on in the panel. Yes, Craig. I, again, I wanted our coaching staff to show the respect to the high school coaches in the state of Texas that we had and I wanted them available. And if a question came up to the panel, and it was an interesting question, and one of the coaches wanted to grab one of our assistants, if, if 
maybe I was busy. I wanted them all there. I wanted them visible, and I wanted them available to answer questions if if I couldn't if we didn't have enough time because you you had to take a bunch of egos with all the head coaches sitting on a panel, and you had to make sure that you could get everybody a, a fair shake, and they all knew you were working at Texas. So that, that was a very difficult job that you managed very well. <laughs> well, well, I, I appreciate that. We had, we had a good time. We're visiting with Matt Brown here. I, I, I want to I, I get your thoughts on uh, the art and the science and the, 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 the myth, the mythology of recruiting itself. Has it changed uh, a great deal from, say, <clears throat> even – 11, 12 years ago, even even uh, five years ago, when you were when you got back into the game at, at Carolina, has it has, has recruiting changed that much? A because of the portal, and B because of NIL and 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 things of that nature. And how much has it changed? And changed for you, Craig? It has changed. It, it started changing in the the late nineties and early two thousands with social media. Because when you said something to a kid or sent a kid a note, it was on social media, so everybody knew it. Before that, you could have a private conversation with a player, a high school coach, or a family, and then third parties started getting involved. And then coaches could get to the the players through social media without going through the head coach. And we have always respected the head coach and and go through him, get he and the, the family involved. That's the only people we use, and that changed some. And then you've got seven-on-sevens now across the country, and they have coaches. And they're gone most of the summer. They don't get to stay around their high school teams and coaches as much. And then when I came back uh, five years ago, I thought the biggest difference was um, early signing date. And I was the president of the American Football Coaches Association when we presented early signing date. We wanted it only for legacy kids that wanted to go to your school and nowhere else. It wouldn't take any other visits. And we wanted it for early signings because they didn't have a, uh, uh, they, they didn't have a signing date. Well, the NCAA said that you can't just do it for a certain number. If you're going to do it for anybody, you got to do it for everybody. So they opened it up and, and now we really just have one huge signing date in December. And the second one's just kind of a catch up as, as we look at it. So that was different because you're, you're now, um, we're, we're, we've got 20 something commitments and we'll probably be through by the end of July with, with our recruiting where before you wouldn't even start till you'd have them come unofficially for a couple of games in the fall. And, and then you'd start, uh, having official visits in January. Now you're, you're having all your official visits in March, April, and May, June. So it's, uh, it's just totally, totally different. Mm. And then the, the addition of, uh, NIL, and the addition of, of transfer portal um, has just made it really crazy. So you, you really have to decide who you are. Are you a school that's got a lot of money? Are you a school that's going, going to go by the rules? You, you, you can't offer kids money through NIL any different than you did before NIL because if you offered a kid $200,000 to come to your school, that was an inducement. If you do that now, it's the same thing. What you can do is say that our running back, uh, our top running back is making $200,000, and if you play well enough, then that's a possibility for you. But you can't just offer money, and obviously cheaters cheat, and people that were cheating before with inducements are cheating now. So that, that hadn't changed. It's just what it is. So that makes it different because we have to look at the family, and if the family's going to take money illegally and we're not going to recruit them, not that much different than before, but, but we've got to be very selective in who we recruit. We've got to recruit somebody that wants to be at North Carolina academically. We've got to recruit somebody that's not just going to take money because if they're going to take money coming in, and, and we lost five kids last year because of money, um, then, Craig, if they play great their freshman year, they're going to leave after that because somebody's going to offer them money, and that's where the transfer portal comes in. As far as the transfer portal itself, I haven't changed any. I've said if, if you this is a it's a privilege to be at a, a University of Texas or it's a privilege to be at a University of North Carolina, and and uh, you you have earned the right to be here. Uh, that doesn't mean you get to do anything you want and stay. And if you want to leave, then then leave. Go talk to your assistant coach. If you're not playing more, we're playing the guys that give us the best chance to win. If you don't like it and your parents don't like it, don't gripe. You can get in the portal in five minutes, and I'll help you go. So that part really hadn't changed that much. I think the biggest part that, that everybody's trying to figure out 
Um, NIL is a good thing. We're having young people learn how to handle their money. Where they have more money than they've ever had. They're learning how to do charity work. Uh, but there's no guidelines, and and we we don't have amateurism anymore. We're more like the mini NFL, but we need guidelines, and, and we need it so there can be some fairness because the schools with the most money are going to separate from everybody else, and it's kind of been that way anyway. And and then we're we're just going to have a. Um, a major league of 12 teams that are in the playoff and everybody else is going to be uh, playing at a different level, which I'm not sure is the model that, that uh, is good for all of college football. Mac Brown with us right now, and uh, I'm just going to keep you another couple minutes. There's two questions that I've, that, that I've been wanting to ask you uh, since 20, I think, uh, well, since you were working television, one of them, and then the second one upon your return to Chapel Hill. And uh, and so so here's a preview. I said to the listeners a, a preview of, of something I'll, I'll ask you on Sunday. One, uh, the, the five years that you spent with, with uh, ESPN, uh, what what – struck you the most during that time about the game and coaches and the broadcast industry that's that's the first question I have. and then the and the second one was how different is the North Carolina position now than it was when you went in in 1987 and you had the back-to-back one in tens and uh, all that kind of thing and then and then flipped it all there before you came to Austin but first let me let me start with the with with the ESPN thing and and what that did for for you and the perspective it gave you before you went back to coaching again Craig it, it helped me so much number one we were kind of worn out at the end at Texas and uh, it didn't end like we wanted it to, obviously. And, and 16 years a long time. Sally always laughs and says that's four presidential terms. And we have so many friends in Texas, and we loved our time there and and um, wouldn't give it back for anything and, and still love Austin. We've got a, a son, daughter-in-law, and two grandkids in Austin. Sally goes back probably once a month and gets to see them. I go back for our charity once a month. But but we, we, we loved what we did. So when I got through, I'd, I'd been coaching my whole life so I didn't have anything to do and I was lucky John Skipper called me and said we want you to work for ESPN and um, it was funny I went home and and I said uh, Sally John Skipper called and said he wanted to hire me at ESPN she said what are you doing and she said uh, I said well I didn't ask him I don't know for sure he said it would be a prominent job and she said well how much money are you making I said I don't know I didn't (laughs) ask him and she said well how long's your contract? And I said, I, I don't know, sweetie. He told me to call him back in June and we'd figure it out. So I trusted John and, and, uh, and then I had my five years with the media. And the, the thing I, I think that, that got me, Craig, is I didn't realize how hard your job is and how hard the writer's jobs are and how hard the TV jobs are. They're not after coaches. But you've got to have people read your stuff or watch your stuff or listen to your stuff. And you've got to have unique stuff, and you've got to bring energy. And and sometimes people get mad at, at your perspective, but that's your job. You're, it's it's an opinion job, and, and you're forming an opinion, and you're giving opinions. And that's okay. I, I have learned to agree to disagree. I may not agree with you, and you might not even be right in my mind, but if you think you're right, or in some cases they needed to do that for their job, then, then it was uh, something that they, they had to do because you you constantly got people putting pressure on you to um, stir things up and, and get a very strong opinion. And it, it needs to be with sound bites. And uh, so it, it's very difficult. The, uh, the first TV job I had, uh, they, they sent me on there with John Saunders on um, ABC countdown to kickoff and they didn't tell me anything. <laughs> and they just said, answer John's questions. <laughs> I said, well, which camera do I look at? And they said, don't worry about it. Look at John. And I mean, I had absolutely no chance to sit and visit and ask about the show or questions. And, and then they'd be in my ear and I'll never forget, Craig, one of them said something about, uh, make your answer shorter. And I said, got it. And they said, don't, don't talk to me on TV. You're on TV, uh, instead of the, the earpiece. So, um, it, it was a great time for me and I loved the ESPN and ABC and I had a team and, I had people, and I got to visit with coaches, and I loved calling games because it, it put me back in the position of the head coach, and I could give a perspective of what he was thinking, whether people liked it or not. Um, 
and and I got to sit and and watch 24 games every Saturday and and comment on those. I I loved it. I, I thought it was uh, an unbelievable experience for me, but one that really helped me when I got back in coaching. And then the difference in the North Carolina job now and 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 before. Um, there are a lot of differences. Number one, if I was two and 20, I'd have been fired this time because <laughs> uh, people are getting fired a lot faster. I, I think I'm making $5 million now. I was making 275000 uh, when I left here to go to Texas, and they paid me 750000 um, at Texas with a seven-year contract. So all of those things have sure changed, but the North Carolina job is in a better position now than it was before because the ACC was not considered a prominent conference. Florida State was winning it all the time. And you had the BCS. So uh, unless you could beat Florida State in our last year, we lost one game. We lost Florida State 20-3, to and we were number four in the country, and they were one in the country. But we still couldn't get to a a major bowl game, a BCS game. We we went to the Gator Bowl. Um, So now you have a chance by the structure of your league if you win, because Clemson's been the dominant team in this league, most years Clemson's won this league and they've been in the playoff. So that gives us a chance uh, with more teams, more games, uh, better teams. Uh, but there is a platform now for us to get in the playoff. And with a 12-team playoff, it gives you even a better platform to get in the playoff. You don't even have to win your league to get in and could still win a national championship. So uh, I do feel like because of that, this job is better now than it was then. Uh, the, the, the final thing here, uh, you know, I, I have so many images of, of the time when you were coaching and going out in the practice field and seeing you standing there uh, out at midfield, and you'd uh, have me come out there and visit uh, with Coach Royal and, and Eddie Jones when you had him there, and it was always a lot of fun. And I think about that, and and then I think about when we were doing when we were doing your weekly radio show at, at the time we were doing it in your conference room. And I remember the year, uh, well, I remember the time, you'll remember the year, because you went through it when you had the double knee replacement. And you come in, and you'd come in off the practice field, I think when we were doing the show on Wednesday nights, and we were doing the show live in those days, and you'd come in with these two giant ice bags, one on each knee, and you'd prop your legs up on the table and say, if you ever get knee replacement, never do them both at the same time. I, I remember you saying that, and I remember you putting on a, uh, uh, a when we did a show on Halloween, and you put on like an alien mask, and it was an awful lot of fun. But but probably that some of the stuff I enjoyed the most about those is that quite often you would quote, uh, quote Coach Royal. Is there one quote? from Coach Royal that stands out in your mind as much as anything else, because I know how much uh, you admired and respected him before the time you came to Texas, when you were here and were in his company when you were at Texas. And then, and then of course, we lost him while you were still at Texas. But is there there's something that stands out from the, those, those times, the things that Coach Royal said that, that stands out as much as anything else? Craig, there's so many things that stand out. And I, I find myself right now talking to our team or talking to our our staff and saying, Coach Roll taught me this, Coach Roll taught me this, Coach Roll taught me this, because he took complicated things and made them simple. I think the one that probably stood out to, to me as much as any, he always said, uh, I said, Coach, what am I gonna, how am I going to explain this publicly? And he said, just, uh, just say that you ain't going to believe this stuff, brother, without saying stuff. Uh, <laughs> he, he was always saying, you, yeah, never seen that before, brother. Um, but we, we lost Oklahoma, and we played very poorly, and the, it was a bad game and a bad score. And after the game, I said our team quit. And I think it was the first time we'd lost Oklahoma. And, and I was on my way home on the bus, and, and Coach Royal called me. He said, you're not doing very good, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm, I feel bad. We've let our fans down, let our team down. We, we, we played very poorly, and I just, I just, I, I'm, I'm just, I've had it. That they, I, I, we didn't play well at all. He said, "Well, a um, couple of things. When you're talking to the media after a loss, you need to uh, say very little." He said, "The less you say, the less you got to take back." And he said, "You might as well blame yourself because they're going to blame you anyway. And <laughs> if you win, give credit to the players and your assistant coaches. But if you lose, blame yourself." And he said, "And you, you said something today that is really wrong." And I said, and, and he did say, Co- 
he said, I got beat 77 to 13 or something once by Oklahoma in the, in the 70s. So you're not the only one that's ever had your butt kicked by Oklahoma. So you, you don't need to start acting like it's only happened to you and feel sorry for yourself. <laughs> and then the last thing he said is he said, you said your team quit. And that's wrong, Coach, because your team didn't quit. There's probably some players on your team that quit. But I can promise you when you get home tonight and you watch that film, you're going to see a lot of guys that busted their tail and played great, and you need to apologize to them tomorrow. And he was so right. Teams don't quit. Players may quit. Teams don't play bad. Players may play bad. Certain players. But overall, you can't just take a group of players and say your team quit. And I will never, ever do that again. I remember Casey Hampton played one of the best games I've ever seen and I had apologized to the team the next morning, the, the guys that played well. I had them all stand up. And I said, I apologize to you because I, I mentioned you in the group. And there's a lot of guys in here that didn't play well. Some did quit. And we're going to address that. But the rest of you didn't. And I said, Casey Hampton, you keep standing, man, because you played the best game I've ever seen. So I am really sorry that I mentioned your name with some of these others. And we're going to get them straight, but you just keep doing what you're doing. And and that's how wonderful Coach Royal was, and that's why he won three national championships and uh, has a stadium named after him. I, I mean, that's, that's who he was, and, and he helped me at Texas more than anybody. Coach Joseph was there every day. He was, They were like family to me. And and uh, Coach Royal was like an older brother to me. And, and that's why I, I quote what he says all the time. He Young high school coach came up to him and said, Coach, how do I become you? And um, Coach Royal says that we were at practice. Coach Royal says, you got to have it. And he said, you got to have it to, to make it. If you, if you don't know what it is, you're not going to make it. And the young guy looked at me, and I kind of said, I, I got you. I'm, I'm with you, bud. He turned around and walked off. Coach Royal said, hell, he ain't got it. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, that was just Coach Royal. He, he was going to be as honest and direct <laughs> as he possibly could be. And, and it, that's why he was just so much fun. I remembered that one. And then what, what, if, he'll, if, if he'll bite as a pup, he'll bite as a, as a, as, as a grown dog, something like that? Uh, was yeah, it? He, he said. I, I said once, he said, how about your team, Coach? And I said, they're young. And he said, well, uh, number one, if they'll bite as a pup, they'll bite as a dog. Uh, or he said, if they won't bite as a pup, they won't bite as a dog, meaning the young ones better fight. The other thing he said, if you're young and good, that's a good thing. If you're young and bad, that ain't worth a damn. <laughs> and, yep. No, so, so he said, don't talk to me about how old they are. Talk to me about how good they are. It's kind of like, and he was there, obviously, and was the athletic director when, when, uh, when the immortal Abe Lemons was the basketball coach and Abe said something like, the good news is we have almost our entire team back. The la- the bad news is we have almost our entire team back. <laughs> Coming off <Yeah>. of that. <laughs> Coach, Coach Royal was telling me that Coach Lemons one time said, they said, uh, are you interested in the Lakers job? And he says, uh, no, because of lack of interest. And he said, what do you mean? He said, they're not interested in me. <laughs> so, it's just the, the the characters that you you go through in coaching and 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 Coach Royal with me was just hilarious. I just absolutely loved him and loved being around him and and the the we we lost him before we really lost him because his mind wasn't as good at the end. But uh, I'm gonna tell you, he has influenced more people in the state of Texas than probably anybody. And he has been the the greatest influence other than my granddad on on my life and. And I just, I just miss him so much. But he, he lives, his spirit lives with me every day, and, and that's so much fun. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I know I kept you longer than I promised I would, and, and, uh, and uh, it was great to, to have a, just a little warm-up chat with you. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this thing on Sunday because, uh, like I've said, uh, you, you know, for people who listen and people have weighed in with all kinds of text and, and just all kinds of, uh, of great comments for you and everything. Uh, but it, when I've seen you, sometimes when you're at your best is when, is when you're with coaches, and, and I know that's the way you would prefer it. And, and, it, and it'll be a lot of fun to see you on Sunday and have you uh, have those comments with the coaches. So I, I, I appreciate the time, Mac, and I hope you travel safe down to H-Town. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday in Houston. 
Well, thank you, Craig. We're actually going to land at 1030. We're going to do our deal with you, get back on the plane at 2, because they got a lot of work to do here. We still we, get, we need to win more games. Uh, and we'll be back here by 545. So it's going, to be a, it's going to be a quick day on Sunday, but can't wait to see you and our many friends in, in the coaching world that, that you and I have, and, and can't wait to catch up. And, and um, thank you to all the, the Texas fans that, that treated us so well for so many years while we were there, packing the stadium every week and, and making it a, a wonderful place to play and a great experience. I asked Roy Williams one time, our, our great receiver, somebody asked me once, how, how do you handle a loss at home, Roy? I mean, what do you do? Do you go out or do you? And he said, oh, coach, I never lost at home. So I thought, well, that's, that's the best way to handle it. Don't lose at home. And then you don't have to worry about going out. You just do what you want. So, but we had, a, we had a lot of wonderful years, and I've got uh, so many friends in the state. And just uh, love them and appreciate them. And my life's better because of the University of Texas and, and uh, uh, all the fans, but also all the high school coaches. So this will, this will be a fun thing for me to do on Sunday. And when Glenn asked me, I was really excited to be able to go back and hug so many friends next on Sunday. So looking forward to it. I'll see you there. You bet. Thank you again, Mac. We'll see you Sunday. Thanks, Craig. All right. That's Mac Brown. And uh, I, he's one of those people that you can add the words, the one and only to, because <laughs> he's, uh, he's something else. Um, all right, coming up, uh, we'll have our Longhorn Notebook, uh, and uh, then after that, we'll also have uh, our uh, Inconceivable File. We've got uh, still more to come when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Thanks again to Mac Brown uh, joining us there, taking some time to do that. And, uh, yeah, I'll look forward to um, uh, spending some time with him on Sunday with uh, at Coaching School. Coaching School is always a, another one of those great uh, starter kits, so to speak, for the football season, one of those signpost things just like Big 12 Football Media Days. That's like the initial one. And then you have coaching school where you see all the high school coaches and you see many college coaches. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, is one of the speakers there at uh, coaching school. And the Coach Association always does a fabulous job drawing in top-flight coaches on the college uh, level as well. And um, and, and then we have the Division One FBS coaches panel, all Division One FBS coaches uh, in the state of Texas on the dais. The, the exception this year, and we found this out the other day at Big 12 Media Days, is that Dave Aranda, the head coach of Baylor, will not be able to be a part of it this year because he just lost his father a little over a week ago in the memorial services this weekend, and we wished him and his family all the best and condolences as well. He won't be there, but uh, but the other head coaches, Division One head coaches, Jimbo Fisher of A&M and obviously uh, Steve Sarkeesian for Texas and uh, you know Sonny Dykes at Texas uh, at TCU. I mean, all of the Division One FBS uh, coaches, other than Dave Aranda, will be uh, – uh, on that panel, so looking forward to that on Sunday. Time now for our Longhorn Notebook for this hour. Longhorn Notebook. And uh, it, it really, as somebody would say, the, uh, hell, he ain't got it, love DKR. It's true. I remembered that story, uh, and, and Mac really abbreviated it because the coach was, this young coach was kind of peppering Coach Royal about it. Well, what about this, and what about that? And he said, and he said if he doesn't have it, he's got to learn to find it. And if he doesn't find it, he, he, you know, he's never going to be able to get it and this and then all that other kind of stuff. And it, it the guy, and then the guy just kind of <laughs> looked at Mac and Mac kind of smiled at him like, yeah, he walked away. And then Coach Royal just standing with his arms folded across his chest, just learned the hell he ain't got it. <laughs> it was, but that was Coach Royal uh, as, as well. Uh, Bevo Lance Jason saying, I love the chat with Mac. It reminded me of so many good times and great Texas football memories back in those early 2000s. Best part is reminiscing about the relationship with Coach Royal. No, no doubt it was always good uh, to hear him uh, reminisce about that as well. On the baseball front, like we said, uh, and, and Ty Harrington did a good job, as he always does, and he was on this morning uh, with uh, Bucky and Aaron recapping not only what we talked about yesterday about the signing, but also at once 
we were off the air, Porter Brown making his announcement that he was coming back. And uh, <clears throat> then in, in addition to that, talking about uh, the decisions uh, with, the, with the coaching staff and, uh, you know, how uh, Coach Pierce, remember Coach Pierce was the pitching coach at Rice when they won the national championship in 03. And uh, he had, you know, worked all those other years with, uh, with the, the Rice coach, and also handled the pitchers when he was at Sam Houston State and Tulane as well. And that being uh, one of the big, uh, notable things to come out of the movement within the structure of his coaching staff. That, and of course, having Tulo return uh, to have Troy Tulowitzki return to the team is big as well. All right, when we come back, we'll have inconceivable. When we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, uh, like I said, inconceivable usually means a Florida thing. And, and, and Cam has a story. We're going to get to that in a moment. But i got a couple of other topics as well. First of all, the inconceivability of the heat. Yesterday we had David Yeomans on, the chief meteorologist from KXAN. And uh, I read some more about how hot it's going to be, not only in our area, but obviously across the United States. And what a lot of folks are looking at is the, I think he called it the desert southwest of the U.S. The National Weather Service in Phoenix has called that heat dome, and we heard David talking about that yesterday, it's just kind of parked itself over the western half of the U.S., has called it one of the strongest high-pressure systems the region has ever seen. And... They're anticipating that more than 100 heat records could fall today through the weekend as it intensifies, piling on to the more than 1,000 high-temperature records that have already been broken across the United States since June. More than 90 million people are under uh, heat alerts with this heat dome uh, going on, including Death Valley. Now, I mentioned, you know, uh, Las Vegas, by the way, uh is going to be about 117 on Sunday. So you probably don't want to be walking on the Strip. That could be trouble. Won't get much cooler at night. The low temperatures are about 90 uh, in uh, Vegas on night. But the hottest place on earth, as we know, Death Valley, could get to those rare highs. We asked David yesterday, what is the highest recorded temperature? He said, well, there was a 134 uh, recorded back in 1913, he said, but it wasn't reliably measured what they have found out later because of blowing sand and stuff like that. So they said that. The, so I asked him, "What is the hottest recorded temperature on Earth that was reliably recorded?" And he said, "It's 130, and it was in Death Valley." Well, right now they're calling for a high on Sunday of 129. That's one degree shy of being the hottest ever in recorded history on planet Earth. So it's going to be hot this weekend, as we know. So hope you'll hydrate and be careful about that. Um, here's something that may appeal to you, Cam. Um, can you describe, when, when you were a student, were, were, how much did you live on campus versus, say, commuting? I commuted the entire time. Did you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Did that get to be a little bit of a drag, the, the daily grind, the drive? When I had my 8 a.m. media law class yeah. and had to be up at 6 a.m. on the road, yeah, that was the drag. Besides that, wasn't too bad. Okay, all right. Um, here's a guy named Bill, I think it's pronounced Zhu. It's Z-H-O-U. Um, he uh, was living in Los Angeles, and he was a guy who um, – was accepted into a one-year master's program at Cal Berkeley. Now, for folks who don't know, Cal Berkeley, Berkeley is in Northern California. It's kind of in the Bay Area. It's just, it's just east of Oakland, uh, and so it's in the, it's in the a in that area. So he's looking at, you know, what rent would be like to move up there uh, from the LA area, and what he discovered was that th- it was going to cost. About at the bare bones minimum, sixteen hundred dollars a month for rent for a one bedroom, plus 
all of the regular stuff for, you know, what it would cost to do. So then he started doing some math on this thing and thought, what if I commuted? Now, commuted, we think of driving like you did, right? You were driving in every day from Round Rock. Was that the deal? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you're commuting from L.A. to Berkeley, you're driving over 500 miles. So oh that doesn't God. work, right? That It, it just... Um, Wouldn't think so. Yeah. Um, so uh, so here, here's what the deal is. He commuted three times a week from Berkeley to L.A. Jeez. He flew every time. Uh, he flew and flew thousands of miles. Uh, and as it ended up, he took... 238 flights and spent a total of $2,413 on airfare is what he did. So he said, the main reason I could afford flying three times a week to school that I'd accumulate a lot of frequent flyer miles and credit card points over the past few years, earlier in the pandemic, I took advantage of the cheap fares and flew a couple of mileage runs. So while it did cost him on that, uh, he said uh, Alaska Airlines, he used them, he used Southwest, he used American. He used all of them, basically. He took 238 flights. He said, I spent 75,955 minutes on my commute. Mm. That was equivalent to 53 days of commuting time. Got his master's. A lot of airplane peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> I dare say <laughs> it is that. No no doubt about that. Um, okay. Here's a guy who, well, I don't know if commuting is the proper way to do it. Remember the story we did um, a couple of weeks ago uh, about the guy who escaped prison in Pennsylvania? Yeah. It was like up in northwest, rural uh, northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, <clears throat> they hadn't caught him yet. Oh, boy. So they've been... You know, law enforcement officials have been looking for Michael Burham, B-U-R-H-A-M, spell like just like Durham, but with a B. He's been on the run. It's a little over a week. It's a little over a week. And um, they do think they may have a lead on him because what they found, they have found a bag covered by a tarp and hidden under a log, which they say almost certainly was used by him. Uh, state patrol official for Pennsylvania said this yesterday and had a daily media update on this manhunt for Burham. Who, and you say, how did he get away? Well, he allegedly escaped through a hole in a gated covering of an exercise room of a jail. Uh, so there was a photo of this stash as an example of the stockpiles that they found in the research containing clothing, some food, and other materials that someone might need if they're trying to exist in the woods. Because it was found in a wooded area near the city of Warren, we do believe that um, this uh, one thing belongs to him. Now, he didn't disclose any other details in the bag, like where in the area it was found and all that kind of stuff. But they say this dude has survivalist skills, and the totality of the evidence leads them to believe he's still in the area. Mm. So so think of Rambo, the, the original... Rambo movie, um, uh, First Blood. First Blood. Think of that when he's living in the mountains on stuff. That's the dude that's on the lamb right now. Um, all right, so you do have a Florida offering here. To, I to do. Bring us. I, I, I do. Let's hear it. So of course, uh, Leo Messi signed with yeah. the Miami MLS Soccer Club. Yes, he did. So on Wednesday, he was in the states, underwent his medical. And while they're still working on his contract, it's expected to be made official possibly by as early as today. Okay. In the meantime, you know what he's doing? No. Shopping at Publix. Of course he is. For folks who don't know what Publix is, it's it's a supermarket that's kind of like a little uh, – it, it, there he is going through the line there at Publix. Um, it, it, it's a little bit – like a cross between, say, H-E-B and Central Market, yeah. I would say. We went into a Publix there in uh, Myrtle Beach. Yeah, the we Pub Sub is very very popular in the Florida yeah. area. Yeah, that's where it started. Mm -hmm. So he's <laughs> shopping at Publix. Shopping at Publix. Nice enough to take time with some fans, took some pictures. But, yeah, never would have thought possibly the most popular athlete on the entire planet 
Just doing some grocery shopping on a Friday. Checking out the produce it's prices. Just like us, folks. They have great produce there at uh, Publix. They do. There. So, they do. All right. So there you go. All right. There's our inconceivable. <laughs> and he is a Florida man these days. No doubt about it. All right. Our Texas man, Gene Watson, will join us. Our, our MLB insider will join us. Kind of review of the first half of the Major League Baseball season. Look ahead to the second half. Trade deadlines around the corner. Uh, some other things as well. We'll get Gino's thoughts on all of that coming up. Thanks again to Mac Brown. He was outstanding as always. If you missed the conversation, you can catch it uh, on our podcast page at hornfm.com there. So stay with us. Second hour coming up as we continue here on Light the Tower. On the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital here on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Stay with us. We'll continue right after this.